Father, we want to join the chorus of angels, just praising you, adoring you, magnifying your holy name. Father, we sing hallelujah. We praise you for your goodness, for your compassion, your grace, your kindness, for your sovereignty in our lives. Lord, we come to you today. We pray this time would be all about you. That you would just teach us from your word that your Holy Spirit would be present to move our lives in that direction which is totally faithful to you. That we would hold nothing back. We would just surrender completely to your goodness. That we would just trust your promises. Father, we want to make this a time when we can't miss your truth. So Lord, speak to us. Mold us, fashion us, shape us, encourage us, strengthen us. Give us such a vision of what you can be in our lives that we willingly surrender. Father, we give this completely to you in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. You go and have a seat this morning while uh, Call by Name uh, takes a seat. And uh, let's watch the screen as we think about one more step in our kazone. Chad and Jamie met in college, and they hit it off immediately. Like most of his friends, Chad was living off his student loans, taking Jamie on nice, expensive dates, and blowing all sorts of money on late-night pizza. Jamie, she was buying the latest outfits, all sorts of fancy girl stuff, and downloading plenty of love songs on her iPod, all the while charging it all on her credit card. At graduation, Jamie owed over $6,700 on her credit card, and Chad owed over $18,000 on student loans. They were both having the time of their lives without realizing that one day they'd have to pay it all back, plus a lot of interest. One day, Chad realized he wanted to spend the rest of his life with Jamie. So he got her the nicest diamond ring, booked a seven-day cruise for their honeymoon, and like most normal people, put it all on his credit card. In case you haven't noticed, in America, debt is normal. Financial bondage is normal. That's why my wife and I decided we didn't want to have anything to do with normal. I hope you don't either. A couple of questions I'd like for you to ask yourself. The first one is this. What is your financial vision, your financial cazone? Where is it that you want to be financially, say, five years from now, or 10 years from now, or 20 years from now, where there is no cazone, no vision, people generally end up over their heads. The second question you want to ask yourself is this. What is your plan? How is it that you're going to get to where God wants you to be? Maybe you need a plan to eliminate debt, a plan to start saving, a plan 
to prepare for the future. Two questions. What is your cause What is your vision? Second question, what is your plan? My wife and I, we got a vision to become completely debt-free. And we worked the plan. Five years later, we fulfilled God's vision. You can do it too, but you can't be normal. You've got to be weird. Remember, where there is no vision, the people perish. Everyone ends up somewhere, but a few people end up somewhere on purpose. All right. How awesome is it when you come to Christ Church and we tell you, don't be normal, be weird? Pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know what? We're, we're going to talk. Now, remember what we're doing. We're on a journey, right? Remember? We're all about making a journey to Easter, and uh, we're on a journey in our lives to, to getting that vision for what God wants to accomplish in our lives, right? The vision that God has for, for our, uh, our lives, our kazone, right? As we're on this vision, though, we've been talking these weeks about some fundamental things uh, that need to be in place in our lives. Remember, we talked about the boots and having that foundational relationship with, with Christ. We talked about that, that GPS thing and walkie-talkie and connecting with other people. Uh, we talked about the water bottle last week that we need to just take care of our bodies. Today, we talk about another fundamental principle that we need to have in the character of our lives if we're going to be the person uh, that God wants us to be, if we're going to accomplish that vision. Now, I want to ask you to don't tune me out this morning. Uh, take this really seriously because we only talk about relevant, serious, fundamental stuff in our faith walk, okay? And you got to understand, this is one of them. And, and you know it's true, right? We're on a journey. And when you go on a journey, you always make sure that you take something with you on this journey, right? You would never think of going on a long journey without making sure you take this with you. Am I correct? Absolutely. In fact, what happens? You get two blocks down the road, you're going through the checklist of saying, what do I need to make sure I have, and what are you doing? You're reaching for your wallet or you're making sure you've got your purse. Why? Because you would never take a journey if you didn't fundamentally understand you had the resources to accomplish the journey. This is a fundamental thing. Right? Because you know what happens when you get two blocks away and you reach back there and you, you find, oh, good, I got my wallet. You know what the next question is in your mind? Do I have enough? Isn't that it? Do I have enough? Right? So this is the question. At Christ Church, we're going to talk about fundamental, basic, relevant stuff. This is so relevant to your life. You cannot be the person God wants you to be. You cannot accomplish the vision to be an incredible, impactful person for Christ if you don't take serious the spiritual implications of what we're going to talk about this morning. God does. God takes this absolutely serious. How we manage our things, how we manage our financial resources, how we deal with money is crucial to our faith walk. As we start, let's start by just getting a good basic groundwork fundamental understanding in, in our lives, right? The basic groundwork understanding that we start from is just that awareness that God is rich enough to provide us with everything we need for the journey. You know, we're on this journey to our kazone, to our, to our vision, what God wants to do in our life. We've got to understand, 
God is absolutely rich enough to accomplish everything he wants to accomplish in our lives and provide everything we need to make that happen. He's rich enough. He owns absolutely everything already. Leviticus 25. No land may be permanently permanently bought or sold. It all belongs to me. It isn't your land. You only live there for a little while. What's our responsibility? It's to understand, listen, God owns everything already. Everything you have belongs to Him. Everything you have is what He has brought into your life. And He only lends it to you so you can manage it. That's our job. That's our role. That's what we do in our faith walk. What we do in our faith walk is receive everything God wants to bring in our life and manage those resources so that we can accomplish the vision He wants in our life. We manage our resources according to His purpose that He has in our lives. We've got to make sure we understand. John the Baptist says it. We understand this. John the Baptist says it. A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from above. Right? Everything we have, it all comes from God. And God is more than willing. God desires to pour into our life every blessing, including in this area of talking about our finances and talking about money. God wants to pour this into our life because he wants us to be those incredible, impactful people for the kingdom of heaven. Right? And we know there is power in how we manage our resources for the kingdom of heaven. God wants to bring every blessing in our life, but we need to understand it all comes from him. We don't own it. We don't earn it. He just man- we just manage what he gives us, right? You go to Deuteronomy, it's Moses talking to the people of God before they go in and take over the promised land. And he gives them an incredible word of warning around this topic, right? Because they're going to go in and take over a land and there's going to be vineyards, you know, that they didn't plant, wells they didn't dig, houses they didn't build, going to be milk and honey, awesome good stuff for them to be the people that God wants them to be, right? The vision God has for them. But look at the warning he gives them before they go in. Moses warned, Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers, as it is to this day. What's the point? Well, the point is this fundamental understanding. Everything comes from God. Whatever God brings into our life, He wants to bring into our life for the purpose of our accomplishing this vision. And we can't deceive ourselves that somehow it's ours, that somehow we deserve it. You see, this is a prevalent teaching right now in our culture, isn't it? How many commercials can you think of offhand that tell you over and over and over again, after all, you deserve it? I mean, it's all over our culture. And the reality is, the biblical truth is, no, we don't. No, we don't. It all comes from an incredible, compassionate, gracious God who wants to give us more and more in everything we need so we can be the person He wants us to be. We don't deserve it. He chooses to simply give it to us. As we understand it then, because it all comes from Him, we can get a basic principle around understanding our relationship 
to money itself. Okay? And here it is. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with money. But, that's the but, there's nothing wrong with money. Money is okay. Money is good. Money can be used to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish in, a, in the vision He has for His life. Money is fine. But, be careful about money. Because money has its own power. Money has its own power. And money can take over the object of our lives. Now remember, what does God want the object of our lives to be? Back to the first message with the binoculars. He has a great vision and purpose for our lives. That's the object of our lives, right? Money can pull us away from that vision. If you look at Luke 12, we get the warning from Jesus himself saying, Watch out! Exclamation point. Be careful. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. What's the word? It's not about how much you have. It's about are you accomplishing the vision and making the impact for the kingdom of heaven that God wants you to make. And the world and money is going to try to draw you over here and say, listen, your life should be all about how much wealth can you attain, how big can your house get, how many things can you fill it with. That's not what God wants for you. That's not God's vision for your life. You just got to be aware of that. You got to be careful. Money can take over. When God wants our vision, our kazon, to be the focus of our life. And to understand if we are on track with the kazon, if we're on track with the vision, He'll take care of the money. He'll take care of providing us with everything uh, that we need. Paul writes Timothy, gives him that same word, kind of warning. He says, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, into, the any, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. What's the teaching? If you buy into what the world wants you to buy in on this money thing, life's going nowhere. Life's going nowhere. It, it just, it's, not, it's not what we're about. It's not what you're created for, right? You're created for a vision and a purpose of what God can do uh, in your life. So there's nothing wrong with money. But you've got to understand, money has its own power. What Jesus wants to do is reassure us that God is aware of money and God is aware of everything we need and God is able to provide us with what we need to accomplish that vision. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, Therefore don't worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Those are all money questions, right? How are we going to afford this? For after all, these things the unbelievers seek. That's a really important verse. Right? He just told you, look, this is what unbelievers do. Unbelievers are all about wealth and money and power and all that stuff. Not sold-out Christ followers. What are we about? Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but here's what you're about. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things should be added to you. Where are we? We're about our kazon. We're about the vision. We're about being an impactful person for the cause of Christ in the world, right? We're about making a difference in the kingdom of heaven. And we're about that. God is going to make sure we have everything we need to accomplish that purpose. And remember, after all, He owns everything already. He's rich. 
He is absolutely, exceedingly, abundantly, beyond your imagination, rich. And He can provide you with everything you need when you're about the vision He has for your life. You don't have to worry about seeking wealth. What you have to be concentrated on is, as I receive what God brings into my life, how do I manage it? How do I manage it? That's the real issue for us who are Christ followers, right? It's okay. God owns it all. He's going to pour it into my life as I live according to the kazon, the vision. But what do I do with it? That's the real question. Let's go over some simple, fundamental principles the Bible would tell us about the importance of how we manage these finances that God brings into our life. Number one is know what you have and know where it's going. Have you ever run into folks who say things like, you know, I make a pretty good wage. I mean, I think I make a pretty good salary and a yearly income, but man, at the end of the month, it's just gone. I don't know where it went. Have you had that conversation? I mean, I make a pretty good wage. I think I make a good buck, but at the end of the month, there's just nothing there. It's just gone. I don't know where it went. How could that happen? Well, the reason that happens is they're not following a biblical principle of knowing what you have and knowing where it goes. Making a budget and making a plan. Knowing what you have and knowing where it goes. In uh, Proverbs 27, it says, Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds, for riches are not forever. What did he just tell you? Hey, know what you got. Know the situation of your flocks and know where it's going. Understand how well your herds are doing here. It's just a basic thing that Christ followers should be about. We should be about having a plan for the resources God pours into our life and then living according to the plan. You know where people get in trouble? They make a good wage, they make a good income, and they don't know where it goes because they have no plan for the income. They have no plan to use what God pours into their life. When you get married at Christ Church, one of the things we do is we sit down with couples and we say, okay, this is an important part of God's provision in your life, and you need to make a budget. You need to make a budget. And then once you make that budget, you have to commit to the plan. Now here's the plan we teach. Here's what we teach all the young couples. We say, listen, it's a simple plan. 10, 10, 80. That's it. 10, 10, 80. Easy to remember. Give away 10%. Save 10%. Live on 80%. Make your plan around how can I live on this 80%. How can I manage the resources of what God gives me and live on that 80% and then follow the plan? Now here's what happens. If you don't follow the plan, you fall into the next problem, right? What's the next problem? Debt. Have you heard of debt? Absolutely. What's the next problem? You saw all the stats. We have so many people in our culture, and many of them are Christ followers, who are captured by the power of debt. Look what Proverbs 22 says. Those who borrow are slaves of money lenders. Do you see the power? Do you see that word in there? If you are in debt, what owns you? Your debt. Are you staying up awake at night wondering how in the world you're going to make ends meet because you got all these bills to pay? Why? Because you're in debt. Right. You haven't made the plan and you haven't worked the plan. If you don't make the plan and you don't work the plan according to God's provision in your life, 
you're going to end up in debt because you want more than the plan affords. You get it? And debt, debt has its own power over our lives. It takes control of us. To show you how important this is to us, if you go into 2 Kings 4, you get an experience with the prophet Elijah. And here's the story. There was this widow. Her husband died and left her in debt. And she had sons to take care of. She goes to Elijah, pleads her case. Elijah performs a miracle in her life. He performs this miracle. He says, what do you have? She says, well, I got this little jar of oil. That's all I got left. He says, fine. Go to all your neighbors. Get as many jars as you can get, as many vessels as you can get. Go in the house, lock the door with your sons, and begin to fill those vessels with oil. Take the small jar you've got and start pouring it into all these vessels that you, that you brought. Okay? She does that. They fill vessel after vessel after vessel after vessel. So when it's done, they have the house full of all these jars of oil, okay? Which is really expensive stuff. They get all this oil. Now look at the advice that Elijah gives her of the first thing she should do with her new prosperity. Got it? Sell the oil and use part of the money to do what? Pay what you owe and live on the rest. What's the first priority? Get rid of the debt. Right? Get rid of the debt. Why? Because Elijah knows the power of debt. Get rid of the debt. See, we Christ followers, we got to take this really serious and not let anything have power over us but Christ. Right? And that means we got to make a plan. If you got credit card debt... If you got car payment debt, if you got that kind of debt out there, make a plan to dump the debt. You got to dump the debt. Debt is not normal, right? Debt is not normal. The world wants you to believe that using your credit card, building up credit card debt is normal. It's not normal, not for Christ followers. The world wants you to believe everybody after all has a car payment. That's just normal. No, it's not. That's not normal for Christ followers, right? The only long-term debt, the only long-term debt that we ought to be carrying in our lives is simply our long-term mortgage on our house because there's no other option unless you're an incredible saver, saver, right? That's it. Car payments, credit card payments, all that other stuff. Make a plan to get out of that debt and work the plan so it doesn't have power over your lives. Why is this so important? Well, it's important because what God loves is a saver. God loves a saver. God wants us, as part of the principles of how we manage our money, to save money. Look at this good nugget here from Proverbs 13. Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money, how? Little by little. You see that? On a regular, planned, scheduled savings program, whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. What's he saying? Listen. Understand the power of compound interest. You're a good Christ follower. Make sure you save. Remember the plan I gave you? 10, 10, 80. Live on the 80. Save 10. Save 10. Make it a plan. Save 10. God loves us to be savers. Right? He loves us to be savers. To have those resources saved up that he's poured in our lives so when the opportunities come, we can step into those opportunities God gives us and go ahead and use those resources to make a difference. Now, why is all this so important? Why do we spend the time this morning talking about it? Here's why. 
how you manage what God gives you, how you manage your money, is never a financial question. It is always a spiritual question for a Christ follower. It's always a spiritual question. It always is. Why? It always asks the question, are you putting God first? Are you managing the resources according to his principles or according to your own desire? That's why it's a spiritual question. Are you managing the resources because you want to achieve the vision that he has in your life, your kazone? Are you managing what he pours into your life because you want to make sure you honor him and follow his principles in every facet of your life? It's always a spiritual question. First Timothy, Paul says, Warn the rich people of this world not to be proud or to trust in wealth that is easily lost. Tell them to have faith in God who is rich and blesses us with everything we need to enjoy life. Do you see the principle? It's a spiritual question. Are you managing what you have to the glory of God so that you can live the life he wants you to live? It's a spiritual question. If it's a spiritual question, we have to understand the basic minimum response that God asks us to give to be faithful to what he calls into our life. That response is 10%. Remember the plan? 10, 10, 80, right? Save 10, spend 80. It starts with give away 10%. Give away 10%. This is a vital Don't ignore this. This is a vital, absolutely crucial learning that you have to have in your life. You have to understand, you cannot be the person God wants you to be. You cannot experience the blessing God wants to pour into your life. You cannot accomplish the vision that God has for your life if you don't honor Him first. It just can't happen. Look at Genesis 28. Jacob understands this principle. He says, God, if you go with me and watch over me as I travel, if you give me food and clothes and bring me safely home, you will be my God. Now, notice all the if-yous in there. You see all the if-yous? They're all pointed to God, saying, God, if you do this, and if you do this, and if you do this, then you'll be my God. We started out understanding this is exactly what God does, right? Right? He he provides for us everything that we need. This is what he does. So now the question says, well, if God has done all this in my life, what's my response? Jacob says, this rock will be your house, and I will give back to you a tenth of everything you give me. That is the minimum response that we need to make. Why is it important? It's a spiritual question. It's a spiritual question. Why? Why? Are you honoring God first in your life? That's what this is. God's doing all the work. You see all the front half of the verse? If you, if you, if you. God's doing everything. And all is asked of us in response is to say, God, I'm going to show you. I'm going to prove to you. I'm going to let the world see that I honor you above everything. I'm going to give you a tenth of everything you give me. It's a spiritual question. It's a spiritual question. You see, you have to ask yourself today, are you managing the resources on your journey to the vision God wants to achieve in your life in a way that honors God first? That means you give him at the minimum, the starting place, 10%. Jesus affirms it in Matthew 23, 
He says, listen, you ought to be about all this stuff, mercy, justice, all this stuff. That's what you ought to be about. That's the vision stuff. But you also ought to do this as well. You also also ought to make sure that you honor God with the 10%. Why is this so vital? Look at Malachi 3. Now, you need to just read Malachi 3. I don't have time to get to everything this morning. You need to read. This is how serious God takes what we're talking about this morning. This is why it's a spiritual question. Does this sound like a serious verse to you? You are robbing me of the offerings and of the 10% that belongs to me. That's why your whole nation is under a curse. How serious is what we're talking about this morning? This is vital, guys. This is vital. It's as vital as the boots conversation we had about your relationship with God. It's as vital as the relationship you have with connecting with other Christians. It's as vital as taking care of your physical self. You've got to understand, this is vital. If you're going to experience the abundant life, the kazon, the vision that God wants in your life, you've got to deal with this. Because this is the place that we say, God, I honor you. You are first in my life. I surrender everything to you. I live for you. And I'm going to prove it to you. And I'm going to prove it to the world. I am going to put you first. And I'm going to give you, at the minimum, 10% of everything you give me. I'm putting you first, God. I'm going to give you. I'm so grateful for everything that you've done in my life. i got to tell you, Jill and I learned this when we were in seminary. Uh, we, we got this word, studied this scripture when we were in seminary. There has not been a day in my life I have ever regretted becoming a tither. Why? Because I am blessed among men. I am blessed among men. And, and I look at that and say, how good God is. How could I not do this? How, how could I even think of not honoring Him when I look at the incredible blessing that He's poured out?